Welcome to Abilities, Opportunities, and the Future of Work, a podcast intended to showcase best-in-class practices on burning issues related to disability and employment. I'm Nasha Ely, Business Relations Consultant with the Business Network Division of Michigan Rehabilitation Services, Michigan Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with Dr. Sriram Narayanan, Professor of Supply Chain Management at Michigan State University. Hi. Each episode, we will be having conversations with employees, employers, firms, community organizations, not-for-profits, and other state organizations that are doing outstanding work in integrating individuals with disabilities into the workforce and allow them to share their experience and stories. This production is a collaboration between the Eli Broad College of Business at Michigan State University and Michigan Rehabilitation Services. During this episode, we talk with Pat Ramzik, CEO and co-founder of Three Talents LLC, about his work in creating and operating Michigan Bridge Academy, an IT certification and education program for individuals with disabilities. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. We have Pat Ramzik here to discuss Michigan Bridge Academy, and we're going to start off with a brief introduction and move into some questions. Pat, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you, Nasha. It's great to be here. I, um, I spent many years in the IT industry, uh, you know, more than I want to admit probably, but uh, um, I'm also a, a parent of a son with a disability. And as a result, you know, I've spent a, a fair amount of time over the last few years trying to enable employment of people with disabilities in the IT industry. Uh, but I'm a lifelong Michigan resident, born and raised here, went to school here, lived my whole life here. Proud, proud Michigander. Thank you, Pat. And thanks for joining us again. Can you tell us about the history of the Michigan Bridge Academy? Sure, I'd be, I'd be happy to, Nasha. Uh, this actually started a few years ago when I was at Cisco. Um, what I saw was a large IT company who was hiring thousands of people every year, and rarely did we hire people with disabilities. And I sort of under, wanted to understand why. As I mentioned, I'm a parent of a son with disabilities. So as the more I... The more I explored this, the more I realized something needed to be done. So we started a train to hire program at Cisco where we trained people with disabilities for jobs in the IT industry, but specifically to hire people at Cisco. And that program was quite successful. When I retired a couple of years ago, I think we'd hired about 150 people worldwide that way. And then after I retired, I, I set up similar programs in New York and Boston and a number of other locations as kind of prototypes. You know, could this work in a community setting for other employers other than one IT company? The success of those early prototypes led us to develop the Michigan Bridge Academy, which we're launching now in Michigan. Classes start in August. Um, 
uh, it's built on a very solid foundation of success that we've seen not only in the US, but globally. So Pat, uh, thank you very much. So what are the goals of the Michigan Bridge Academy and the intended audience that you are aiming to address? The goals are employment tree. Uh, frankly, it's really simple. Helping people with disabilities get jobs in the IT industry. Um, the intended audience are people with disabilities that are often left behind and too often unemployed. Um, there's a few um, you know, statistics that I, I might share that might help kind of illuminate what the problem is and why we're doing this program. Uh, there are, if, if it's okay, I could spend a couple minutes on that tree. Please, yes. Mm -hmm. um, so there are millions of unfilled jobs globally for people with, for in the IT industry, um, literally millions of unfilled jobs. We've all heard about that recently, about the labor shortage. Um, this problem is actually getting worse because of COVID, um, because many, many, many companies now are digitizing because everybody's working from home and they're using technology as an enabler. In fact, one of the top CEO priorities this year is IT digitization. Well, at the same time, there is an enormous pool of potentially capable IT talent, people with disabilities, who are often left behind and not considered for these roles. And the reason is, is because too often, those folks don't graduate high school, don't go to college, don't get any you know, employable skills to get an IT job. So they're not really considered. That's where we come in. So we're building a bridge between these enormous entry-level IT opportunities, high-paying jobs, and this pool of people with disabilities. So we're targeting people with disabilities, often unemployed or underemployed, capable and interested in working in IT. That is fascinating, uh, Pat. I think this is an audio podcast, so I would like to certainly tell our audience that they should look at your logo. Uh, I'm very fascinated by how you set up your logo there. Uh, with the sun in the middle and a bridge right there. I presume it's a bridge to an opportunity. You care to say yeah. something about how you thought about your logo? Yeah, that, thank you, Sri. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. My logo, it's, it's a shield because we're advocating on behalf of people. We feel like we're sort of warriors on behalf of people with disabilities that are often left behind and don't have a voice. Um, and it, it, in the center of the logo is the sun because we're, we're, we're hopefully leading people to a better place. Um, and then a bridge from, you know, where we are to where we're, we're going. So that, that was the whole premise behind it. And it is based on the fact that this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to transform lives of people with disabilities through employment. Um, and, and Sri, you know, and I think uh, and I, you, you guys certainly know, MRS has been a great partner of ours in this program, but you understand the underemployment problem for people with disabilities. I mean, it's only one in five people with disabilities today in the US typically have a job. And oftentimes they work part-time, they're underemployed, they're doing sort of basic jobs. And we have an opportunity, they're capable of far more. With the right training and experience, we can enable them for these high paying and demand IT jobs. Yes, and thank you for providing that info because it's so important for people to understand that individuals with disabilities are able to work, they're skilled and trained and knowledgeable and want to work, but a lot of people don't even understand that word, like what disability right. means. So as it relates 
to um, Bridge Academy and your initiative, does the program focus on one primary disability or can it be, you know, something else? No, we don't focus on one primary disability. We focus on all disabilities. We do focus on people with disabilities though. Um, so the programs that, that we've, we've prototyped and the one we're launching in Michigan, all of the candidates have a disability, but across the disability spectrum, there's candidates that are mobility impaired, visually impaired, hearing impaired, um, uh, you know, developmental disabilities, autism, the whole, the whole spectrum. And the reason is, is because, you know, disadvantage has, doesn't care. <laughs> You know, it doesn't care what kind of disability you have. The, 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 the statistics are shockingly uh, consistent across all disability types. Asha. Yes, and thank you for the clarification. Just so everyone understands that when we say disability, we aren't talking about just one diagnosis or one functional limitation that for your program and many others out there, it can be an you know, array of disabilities just you know, if that person um, has that disability and needs support and qualifies for your program, that this might be something that they could consider as a uh, training and then employment op option, you know, right. if there's a location in your area. I just want to back up just a little bit because you mentioned earlier that you had programs in New York and Boston. Mm -hmm. um, because we are state VR mm -hmm. and we tend to collaborate with other vocational rehabilitation agencies across the country. Um, do you mind just kind of where where are other Bridge Academy programs located? Like where have you done some in the United States? Yeah, so um, we've, we've, we've established programs like this and typically they're prototypes in a given geography. So, you know, for example, in New York, we did a prototype in New York. I actually talked to the, the team that's running that program in New York City right now. They're on cohort number five. Um, in New York City. So New York, Boston, Raleigh, um, uh, we did a program that was in, 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 in Southeastern Michigan, Livonia, which is now in Ann Arbor, um, Boston, um, Holyoke, Massachusetts, Georgia, uh, uh, are the pro in Washington, DC are the programs in the, in the US. We're working on a program in Orlando, we're working on a program in Virginia, we're working on a program in California. Um, we've also set up programs like this in specific prototypes overseas. So, you know, we, we've set up a program in Central Europe and Austria. We set up a program in, um, we had an early program in India. We've got two programs in Africa, getting ready to set up additional programs in India, South Africa, and a number of other places. I think it's so awesome that you have taken this model and your programming and shared it with so many places. I mean, it's, it's like a hidden gem of possibilities that a lot of people don't know about. And for the students and, you know, individuals with disabilities, they're learning such a great skill. Um, mm -hmm. As it relates to the training, are they trained to work on Cisco equipment only or primarily, or is it more open-ended? No, um, good question. Um, no, we use a Cisco curriculum only because it's globally recognized. So we could train somebody in Detroit and have them receive a certification that's recognized in 200 countries around the world. It's a Cisco certification, but they're trained to work on any equipment. 
um, we tend to train people for specific jobs. So we're targeting specific entry level jobs. Um, and we use the Cisco certification to achieve a level of capability and experience that the students need for those jobs. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. So your, your training is like, like a universal model. Correct. Not just for Cisco. Okay. Correct. So I, I did have a follow-up question on that, Pat. Sure. You also mentioned to us that you, you do train uh, individuals with a variety of different uh, disabilities. Right. Is, is your training model any different uh, on how you are able to help them? And uh, do you customize your training to the, to the individual in some form? Yes, great question, Sri. So two questions there. First of all, the training model is unique in the sense that we're not just training on technical training. We're providing ready for work training for them. Many of these candidates have never had a professional job. So we're training them on kind of ready for work training. We provide them a mentor. You know, we, we all look at our careers, Tree, you know, in IT, right? You look back on your career and you always remember somebody that maybe was a guide for you or a shepherd or helped you along the way by telling you what to do, not to do, and, you know, just a sounding board. So we're providing mentors and tutors to these students so that it helps them not only in the program, but afterwards. In terms of accommodating the disabilities, we focus on recruiting people with disabilities in the program. And then the second step is accommodating them. So whatever their disability is, we will accommodate them and we tweak the program for their learning styles. So for example, if we have a class that has largely students with autism, we'll tweak the training program in a way that appeals best to that candidate pool. On the other hand, if we have a candidate pool of students who a number of them are visually impaired, we would change the way we teach the program using tactile tools and other things so that they understand the material that might be quite different than it would be for somebody, let's say, that's typically neurotypical. That, that, that is fascinating. I do want to sort of do one short follow up on that. Do you train your trainers to make sure that they understand these structures and what kind of train the trainer structure do you have that you recommend? So yeah, yeah, yes and no, yes and no. We hire instructors that have taught this program so they understand the technology. And we pair a technical instructor with a, what we call a teacher's assistant. So every class, like the program that we're launching in Michigan uh, in, a, in a few weeks now, has a technical instructor that's been teaching the technical curriculum for 20 years. And he's taught a few people with disabilities but we're teaming him with a special educator that also has an IT background. So the technical instructor helps with the technical instruction and adapts it to the students. And then the, the teacher's assistant who's gifted in the area of special you know, students with learning disabilities, then works with them one-on-one -on -one to help them make sure they understand the material, review the material, help them with their lab work and experience that type of thing. So it's a, it's a, team, it's a team effort. And yes, we do train the instructors, but honestly, a lot of them come to us with a lot of training already in IT. Actually, that's a, that's a fascinating way of thinking about it because you know th this whole idea of not having, not providing technical education, purely focusing on that, but customizing to what how an individual might adapt, I think it's something that we can take away and even learn from more, more principally across the board in any job, I presume. 
But that's that's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that. So that's a great thought. And I really want to just comment on what you guys are saying, because when one program did take place in um, the Exceptional Academy, because there was so much collaboration and partnership with vocational state vocational rehabilitation, uh, we actually did disability awareness training for the instructor, instructors and that team of um, uh, what we call them, like the Exceptional Academy team and the instructors. Um, we did a like a disability awareness training, disability etiquette training for them, just to kind of set that foundation. And I'm sure if that's something that other programs are interested in, there are resources for that because there's a lot of collaboration between um, different teams, various organizations that can assist with some of that if it's a need. And sometimes it's just to kind of bring it to the front. So like, you know, we're working with individuals that have disabilities, might not be something we've done a lot before. And these are just some basic, you know, foundational disability etiquette principles to consider as you move forward in the programming. So Pat, I wasn't sure if you um, were aware of that. I'm sure you oh, yeah. knew that took place, but that was something I think that was that was helpful. Um, they were already doing very well in that programming. And this was just another layer as the instructors and Exceptional Academy went forward, just to help kind of build on that and to talk about like the, the accommodations that could be formal or informal, that universal design of how we're instructing people and like that uh, differentiated instruction so that mm -hmm. everyone could get their needs met and still be successful in the program. Exactly, Nasha. And and um, so, yeah, I didn't really talk about the training for the employer, but that's quite important that the students go into an environment where they can succeed. So we can prepare them for that environment, but the environment needs to be prepared for them too. So, and MRS has done a really great job in working with us in, in helping sort of culturize the, the work environment so that these students, once they graduate, they can be successful. The other thing I would add, and it kind of gets back to your question, Sri, we're also creating a community. Nasha, you kind of spoke to this. We're creating a community between these programs. So for example, we had a call yesterday where the academies in, you know, the academy in Michigan that's getting ready to launch that, that Sylvia's leading was talking directly. And I connected them with the academies in Boston and New York in Orlando and Atlanta. So that way they can collaborate and learn from each other, not just through me or through us, through our central team, but frankly, from each other. So an instructor, Shri, back to your question, an instructor in Detroit can say, hey, I've got a student with a hearing disability. I've never taught a student with a hearing disability and talk to an instructor in New York City or in Nairobi that, that has taught students with hearing disability, say, what did you do? How did you do it? And they're teaching the same curriculum. So it, it's really helpful to create kind of that collaborative environment, not only with the state and with MRS to create the right work environment for the, for the candidate, but also even leveraging best practices as broadly as we can. I think that's what makes part of this so successful. It's a model that most people don't follow for the success of an individual with a disability in the workplace. So we did the training with the instructors in Exceptional Academy, We've done disability awareness training with the businesses who were um, hosting students as interns and hired them. And it allows for a very smooth transition and support for the business if they do have any questions about accommodations or how to do this, that, or the other when a student is there for the internship or um, is hired. 
and it allows for some creativity because we had one business that said, well, as much as we, we are a part of this, how about we have the students come to us for a week? And they worked on site at the businesses, at the business for a week, and employees dropped in throughout that week and talked about what they did, um, what their role was, what that looked like for them. And they were able to see that in real time in the real workplace and still do the training aspect, which was something I know wasn't probably standard, but for that business, that worked really well for right. them to integrate the students into their workforce. So I think, I don't know, I just think this is an awesome platform initiative and opportunity. And for the businesses that are interested in participating, it's, you know, there's a win-win on both sides. Oh, yeah. The business, sure. the academy, the students, just everyone involved is a win-win. Yeah, that, that, that's mm -hmm. absolutely true, Nasha. I, I think I, I certainly, you know, Pat, going back to your, your earlier example of how instructors collaborate, you know, it sounds like collaboration is certainly a big capability we all can bring to the table, right? I mean, if we want to support people, then we, we really absolutely need to do that. So, so from your experience of this stellar work that you are doing, what do you think companies can learn about hiring and training people with disabilities? Perhaps collaboration is certainly one big element of this, but what else can you tell us that that's important that we need to learn from them, from you? Well, first of all, Sri, there are a couple of things. These candidates, not just said it earlier, these candidates are far more capable than most people realize. These can be some of your best employees. These are not, it's not like you're, it's charity work where, oh, gee, I want, you know, I feel sorry, I want to give them a job. You know, it, these are really good candidates. So many jobs, people with disabilities can fill, number one. And, and, and the other thing, Sri, you had mentioned earlier about, you know, you kind of alluded to the, you know, what jobs are we preparing students for? We're preparing them specifically for in-demand jobs around either technician jobs, which are in, there's hundreds of thousands. I think there's 3,000 open technician jobs and IT technician jobs in Michigan right now, um, and hundreds of thousands across the country, um, or cybersecurity, network security, information security jobs. Well, when you think of those two jobs, those are the two target jobs we use. Many, 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 many people with disabilities are capable of those jobs with the right training and experience. That's number one. Number two, it's not costly and complicated. Nasha talked about how we can do training for the employer and create the right work environment. I think a lot of times employers think, oh, it's really costly. It's really complicated. It's gonna be difficult to bring these people into my environment. That's absolutely not true. Um, so that's, a, that's a, really a myth, I would say. And then, and then the third point I would make is that and it's kind of related back to the first point. This is not charity work. This is really good for your business. These people work harder. We did a benchmark study when I was at Cisco. True story. Benchmark study. We hired 30 people in India that were blind. They worked in our technical assistance centers. So if you had a problem with the equipment, you called and you got routed to India. And you talked to one of these people oftentimes. People didn't know they were blind. Many of them were blind. The people in that work group that were blind that we hired through this program, trained to hire program, worked harder. They, they worked on their day off. They had lower turnover. They had lower absenteeism. They had higher productivity. Their productivity, they, the number of kind of cases or customers that they would deal with in a given day was 2x a typical employee. And they made less errors. 
So imagine what it's like to be a blind person in India using a computer to try and understand the technology and answer and help a customer solve a problem. And despite their disability, these people were twice as, as, as productive and made less errors than our typical employees. So those would be the, the three things. That is fascinating. So, so you, you did answer kind of our, our uh, next question we were actually thinking of posing to you about the myths that actually need to be dispelled when you, when you uh, employ people with, with disabilities. Um, anything else that you, you would like to add? The, the only caveat to your answer, one of the things that I wanted to say is that I don't think you're just giving them technical education. You are giving them a window of opportunity into a better life. That's how we look at it. You know, uh, at least from our podcast's vantage point, uh, that's sort of the way we would like to think about it. Uh, because not if all companies uh, do not want to give them that kind of an opportunity, we need people like you who step forward and say, okay, we have the skills and capabilities to show what can be done uh, right. and leverage the best of people's abilities, right? And that's really what you're trying to do. And uh, yeah, going back to the myths question, what, what, what else you think are myths that people have that you would like to break? Uh, well, again, I mean, I think it falls into the category, Shri, of capability and impact. Um, I think a lot of times people think about, well, you know, hire a person with a disability, they're thinking of somebody who's severely disabled. They're not thinking of somebody that maybe has a visual impairment or a slightly visual impairment or a mobility impairment. They're thinking of somebody who, who maybe isn't, you know, is severely disabled. Um, but their capability is higher and the impact that they have in an organization is higher than most organizations realize. There's a lot of studies that have been done on this. You know, did you know 87%, I think it's 87% of consumers prefer to buy from a company that includes people with disabilities, that employs people with disabilities? You know, their brand value is higher of a company that is inclusive, their productivity, their market cap, their, you know, their, their, their productivity, their employee workforce, all those things, any statistic, a lot of statistics that you look at for a company um, improve. There's been a lot of work done in this area, so people can look at Google it, but uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of business impact of hiring these folks. And it's not only good, the right thing to do, and Nasha talked about how sort of everybody benefits here, society benefits, the candidate benefits, the employer benefits because they get access to a talent pool. Um, uh, but everybody benefits because honestly, it's sort of a rising tide raises all boats scenario. It really, it really is. And I think oftentimes people don't understand that. Um, since you mentioned that, Pat, is people, honestly, and I said a little bit before, don't understand disability like right. the legal definition and the statistic is one in four people have a legal disability. Right. And that is someone that has diabetes and it's a, it's a limitation to a, a major life activity, like, you know, working or working social recreational activities. You know, it's your anxiety disorders, your depressive yeah. disorders. Um, right. It can be carpal tunnel for a receptionist. That's a functional limitation. So I think the more people understand what the word means, it opens up their eyes, it takes those blinders off so they aren't, um, they don't have that narrow view of what disability is. And they can see, oh, well, this person probably can work because guess what? I have five other employees that have the same functional limitations and the same diagnoses and they're doing the exact same work. So, you know, a lot of it comes down to education too, I think. 
and just helping um, the business community, those HR people understand that when they hear the word disability, it should not cause a shudder. It should not, you know, cause anxiety. That it is, it's just a word. You know, people give that negative power to a word. Disability is innate, probably in all of us. And the one thing um, I know I've heard, uh, we're temporarily abled. And as we age, and as time goes on, medical files get thicker for most. Most people start taking more medications to treat conditions. But at any point, um, you know, we're all one accident, injury, or diagnosis from being a person with a disability. And mm -hmm. the more, more people understand that, the more I think they will realize, number one, you probably already have individuals with disabilities in your workforce every day who are performing well. And number two, these are individuals with skills, regardless of the, anything else, of disability. Individuals with skills that want to work and can do a good job when they get there. You know, Nasha, to your point, one of the things I just add to what you said, I 100% agree. Think about what we're doing now. Everybody's working virtually. So you know a candidate and you know the program I'm talking about. Um, so I'll give you a story. This is a real story of a human being that went through uh, Bridge Academy. She is a single mom. She's, I don't know what her age is, but she's got three children, um, had a disability, a mobility impairment, walks with a cane, is a, is a wounded warrior, is a, is, a, is a veteran, could not get a job, could not get an interview for a job. And she went through this training program. And so all we did is create a bridge for her. She had the capability. She was very bright. Um, she simply needed the opportunity. We created the opportunity for her and she is now working at a large Detroit area financial service firm just recently got hired full time, started as an intern, um, apprentice, and, and just recently got hired full time. But think about it. We're all working from home. Why couldn't she work from home? So she, so she has a cane. So what? So she has a mobility impairment. Does it matter when you're sitting in front of a computer using Zoom every day? She's been working primarily from home. You know, it, it, it makes absolutely no difference. And she is really bright. She is really bright and very capable, but she couldn't even get an interview because she was labeled as, quote, a person with a disability. And the employer probably thought, not back to your point, Shree, all these myths about it's complicated, it's expensive. It's, she's a great employee. That is a very empowering story. Thank you for sharing that. So, so that also takes us to a different angle. Do, do, would you from your experience of working um, uh, with, with companies, uh, you know, what has Bridge Academy done to help improve uh, the employment on, on, on the firm side, uh, working with companies? I, I, we, we aren't tracking specifically the way they work, but we do track candidates go through our program and how many of them are sort of graduating, getting jobs and that sort of thing. And it's about 90%. Um, it's well above any other program like this. And I think, Shri, honestly, it's because we're connecting the employers in, we're providing a lot of student support to ensure that they're successful. But um, I think the last time I checked, it was, I think we had a 94% graduation rate and an 88% employment rate, something like that. Um, uh, so it's, it's extremely high. 
Um, and the key is, you know, a lot of the things that we've talked about, it's early engagement of employers, it's providing the support to the students, it's doing the education of, and demystification for employers about what's involved to kind of bring these folks into the environment. Um, it's kind of all of the above, but it's, um, it's, it's been quite interesting and it's really rewarding as well. I would just add, and, and we don't track Sri their long-term career, we know we're enabling them for long-term careers, like the example I just used. But I just had a conversation yesterday with a candidate that was in one of the first early programs that we had. Um, this particular individual is blind, actually in Bangalore, India. Um, um, I think he's on his fifth or sixth job, is in like a, you know, more of an architecture kind of engineering kind of role now, started as an entry-level role. Um, He's had multiple jobs. His life has changed because he started out and got to the first step. And just like the candidate we were talking about in Detroit, I mean, we're, we're trying to get help these folks get to their first step. What they do with their career beyond that is sort of up to them. But our goal is to have every one of these students get a job. So, so why do you, I'm sure you've talked about all this, but for our audience, maybe you can synthesize it. Why is the Bridge Academy having its success? So if somebody else wants to think about, you know, wanting to do something similar to Bridge Academy. Could you talk to us about why uh, Bridge Academy is having its success? Yes, um, a, a couple things. I think it's partnerships, first of all. I mean, this is a public-private partnership. We work very closely with the state of Michigan Department of Vocational Rehab, Michigan Rehabilitation Services. We include employers, we include advocacy organizations in the community. So that's number one. It's, it's, we're not trying to do this alone. And we're also not trying to either profit or brand this in a way that is self-serving, right? I mean, we don't care, right? We're, we're happy to share information with anyone. Number two, it's tuition-free. So the candidates are not limited based on their, their current you know, economic situation or their, their history of advantage. So it's, it's open to all. Um, number three, we provide a, a, I think, above and beyond level of student support through mentors and tutors and you know teachers assistants and and uh, kind of a, a you know rich su uh, student support uh, I think all of those things um, you know I think together make this transformative uh, not only for the candidate but for all the other people involved in the program and I think that's why it works you know when you think of something that benefits everyone it tends to have a more accelerated or viral adoption. If you think it's true, what happens in the IT industry? When there's something that comes out or something, a program or a product that benefits everyone and not really disrupts or, or disadvantages anyone, it tends to take on more viral adoption. That's kind of what we see here. That, the, 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 those, I think, are some of the key elements that lead to our success. No, absolutely. Adaptation is the key, right? And I think the adaptation and collaboration are key right. elements, absolutely. Yes, and and what what is your, as you look to the future, mm -hmm. um, what is your vision for what you would like to see? And of course, uh, you're also doing this in Michigan, you're starting, maybe you could also talk to us about what's your vision for Michigan. So what we, yeah, and, and, and Michigan is a good example because obviously, I, you know, I was born and raised here, so we wanna do, we wanna be as successful here as anywhere in the world. So our vision is to, 
essentially replicate this in every major community where there's a population of people with disabilities that are, you know, want an opportunity and where there's jobs. Um, and, and because now jobs tend to be, some of them are virtual, that really opens up opportunities across in even rural areas. So I think long-term we envision having, you know, programs like this across the whole state. Um, longer term vision is to expand this concept. It's great that this is working for IT, but why couldn't it work for other curriculums? Why couldn't it work for someone that either doesn't want to work in IT or doesn't have the capability or, 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 or prepared to work in IT? Why couldn't you do a bridge academy for culinary arts, food services? You could, right? So expanding this concept beyond IT is sort of a second kind of, you know, hopefully not too far in the future uh, plan. And then, and then thirdly, you know, even within the IT world, Sri, you certainly know there are many areas of subspecialization. It's great that this is having great success preparing students for jobs as technicians and analysts and information security analysts. But why couldn't we be creating jobs for people in desktop or cloud or other areas, maybe even using other types of you know, training programs to prepare people for those jobs. So I think it's those three things across Michigan first, expanding to other, you know, disciplines, other curriculums, and then expanding to other jobs. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. So I know we talked about a lot today, you gave great information, uh, but is there anything we didn't talk about that you want listeners to know? I, I think it's, I think it's just the sort of, you know, I talked about all the business reasons and technical reasons why you should hire people with disabilities, but there's a human part of this. And I would just close with this, right? So all of us, anybody that's been successful will look back on their life and they'll say, why was I successful? I was probably successful because somebody gave me an opportunity. I wanted an opportunity. I sought an opportunity. I worked hard, but somebody got helped me along the way. That's all we're trying to do here these candidates aren't different than you and me. They maybe are even more passionate than we are in the sense that all they want is a chance. They simply want a chance to prove themselves. That's all they want. They're capable, more capable than people think, but this is not only an opportunity to help a human being, but it's an opportunity to, to change, you know, the way we look at people with disabilities, one person at a time by creating opportunities. And, and, and you think about this, Nash, and you know this from the folks that you work with. If you can change one person's life, you're not only changing the trajectory of their life, you might be changing the trajectory of all their ancestors for generations because mom or dad had a job instead of you know, being unemployed their whole life. Think about what difference that makes to their neighbors, to their family, to their ancestors. So I just think the opportunity is profound we're proud of the success we've had, but it is baby steps compared to the opportunity. It's baby steps. There's a lot to be done here. Thank you so much. And you use language that I was gonna wrap up with, but I do think the Bridge Academy is creating so many opportunities and it can indeed and has and will continue to change the direct the trajectory of, folk, of people's lives just from opportunity. So if we can't think of anything else from today, it's kind of like, there are opportunities available, there are opportunities out there, and we collectively as a society need to be willing to give people the opportunities for success. 
Yeah, I, I, I absolutely, Nasha. I, I do want to add one more thing to what you just said, Pat. I think maybe maybe it's a thought that is as relevant. Um, I think in, in sort of thinking through all this, uh, it is not just that, uh, you know, we are Bridge Academy or, or any anybody who's involved in these in these uh, in these uh, opportunities, we are not just creating opportunities for other people. Actually, we are expanding ourselves. I would probably like right. to add that because you know I think that's as important a human element. Since you talked about the human element, I think it's as important the human element, and and perhaps that's sort of the reason why we want to do this even more vigorously mm -hmm. and do it well um, because that's really the the self part of this whole process. Um, yeah, I just wanted to add, mm -hmm. add that out there, but it's it's fascinating. I think what you're doing is amazing um, and we wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity and appreciate the great support from the state of Michigan, Michigan Rehabilitation Services, employers in this community. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a bit of a labor of love to your point, Sri. It's an opportunity to make a difference in other people's lives, but it's also good for human beings and it's good for business. So um, it's it's been it's been very rewarding. We appreciate your support. Lots more to be done though. Baby steps. Thank you for joining us for the third episode of Abilities, Opportunities and Future of Work. We hope you enjoyed listening to Pat Ramsek of Three Talents LLC and Michigan Bridge Academy. We thank them for their work and for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted to future episodes. We want to take this opportunity to thank many individuals that have helped us kickstart this podcast. Especially, we want to thank our colleagues in Southeast Michigan Employee Resource Group who helped and participated in several brainstorming sessions, offering their advice and helping us plan this project. We also thank individuals at Michigan State University that helped us in reviewing podcast content and questions. Last but not the least, uh, our able podcast editor, Tyler Grass from Michigan Rehabilitation Services. Uh, this is Sriram Narayanan at Michigan State University uh, with my co-host, Nasha Ely um, at Michigan Rehabilitation Services signing off. We want to remind our listeners that this podcast is a commercial free community initiative just to remind you that if you have ideas thoughts you want to share with, directly with us on the topic of abilities opportunities and future of work please do consider reaching out 